Wild Advent is what I termed this uh, last month. There are those of you who were raised Baptist, that may be a foreign word. But if you've been with me in this congregation about seven years, you know that I like to celebrate the season of Advent. And those are those four Sundays that lead up to Christmas. And um, if you follow a common lectionary, which um, those who came from what I would call mainline Protestantism or Catholicism, uh, our Lutheran brothers, sometimes there's a different one between the revised and the common. But in any event, there are four different narratives that come each, each Sunday. There's a different gospel to be read, different epistle. And this year, as I read them in preparation for these four Sundays, I, the word wild just kept coming over and over into my mind. That Advent is a wild, and I clap my hands on that first Sunday. Remember, it's wild. I don't want to hurt your ears, but it's, it's a wild wake up. It's like the scriptures, Luke is slapping you in the face, you know, waking you up from your doldrum of the year and say, listen, Christ is coming again. Yes, we'll celebrate the birth of the baby, but this twofold timing, celebration of a birth, but he's coming again. In fact, the first reading on the first Sunday of Advent was from Luke 21 when the people were asking Jesus about the end times. And he says, believe me, there are some wild times ahead. And that was the sermon we talked about then of all these things coming to pass before his return. Then that next Sunday, we moved backwards from Luke 21 to Luke chapter 3, and we read of the calling of John the Baptist, and John's first message that he was proclaiming. And basically, I came away with that saying that God has some wild expectations of us. He says, if you got two coats, give one to the guy who doesn't have one. If you got food to eat, give to somebody who's hungry. And then last week, we heard the wild message straight out of Bethlehem of young people, our children, your children, celebrating the good news of a birth of a baby in the wild, if you will, in a stable. Today, we will focus on Elizabeth's words to Mary. Thank you for the multiple songs of joy because you will read, and I know he reads. We talk about these in advance, but it really popped out in my head once again. Thank you, Aaron, for that. The joy that the baby that Elizabeth was carrying expressed when John the Baptist, still in her belly, if you will, hears the Savior has come into the room. He leaps for joy. So... This young girl, Mary, had that wild belief that both Elizabeth and John would display for us in this passage from the first chapter of Luke. How blessed those were who had that wild belief because when you believe in something, when you expect something, it makes a difference in your life. Now, I had a video I was going to show, but my parents, I mean my parents, my mom didn't even, see, my mom is here now, days, so I, I guess I could have run this by her, but I didn't. I ran it by my wife and some of my kids, and I think even maybe the chief saw it, and they kind of talked me out of it, so I, I had to look for a different type of video. Um, 
because I thought it was good, and, and, and actually it wasn't going to go right here, but when you start down these rabbit holes of YouTube videos that I do, because I, I, I am a visual learner, forgive me for that, yeah, I've read a lot of books, but if I can see it in a movie, I'll remember it much better than a book I read. That's just the way my mind works. So I was looking for wild belief, okay, and I came across this guy's name, throw it up there, Kurt Richter, a Harvard trained physician, a German who actually, uh, born in the U.S., German parents went back to, because once again, I go in the loop, you know, being a history major, I want to read about these people, and is this a real guy, and yes, he, he was born in the U.S., he went back to Germany with his folks during World War I, studied to be an engineer, decided that wasn't what he wanted to do, went to Harvard, I could relate to this, not, not the fact that he went to Harvard, but the fact that he wasn't a very good student, until he decided that medicine was the way he would go. And in the 50s, he did some well-known experiments. Anybody ever heard of this guy? You have? You're just stretching, taking your jacket off. Okay. Okay. He did an experiment with rats. And my wife loves mice and rats. Not, not at all. His idea was, and why, and this is way before many of the, I'm sure the animal, uh, uh, you know, we, um, what do you call those, PETA and other groups that would uh, be very upset with what he was doing. But he took laboratory rats and stuck them into big vials of water to see how long they could swim before they drowned. Typically, 15 minutes is all they could handle. They would go down, hit the bottom of the glass, see if there's a way there, and then try to get out. And of course, the glass was high enough. They could not, lasted 15 minutes. He then got wild rats. Now, I can't imagine that, you know, a guy going out looking for wild rats, but he gets wild rats thinking they would be stronger and, and, and more angry and, and meaner and tougher and leaner or whatever, and see how long they would last. And he put them in these big glass beakers of water, and they swam, and they swam. They went down to the bottom, and they basically bobbed back up. And in about 15 minutes, the average rat died. Wild rat versus, you know, house rat, if there is such a thing, yeah. None of you have those, I pray. So his next idea was, what if right at the point when they're about to give up, when they're about to die, if we pull them out, dry them off, I can just imagine him with little rat towels, you know, <laughs> little, little cheese or whatever, give them a little bit of nurturing, let them rest, and then see how long they would last. Now, if you've ever heard or read, and there's actually a video reenactment of some of this that I did not play, chose not to do this, what would be your expectation? Another 15 minutes or less? Because, I mean, they've already swam to the point of death. Anybody? 40 to 60 hours they swam. 40 to 60 hours, some even going as high as 70. He coined at that time the title of phenomenon of sudden death. That when there is no belief, no hope for salvation, for rescue, animals, humans give up and die. But when these rats that had been rescued at the point of death were towed off, rested up a bit, would swim and swim and swim with the anticipation and expectation 
that rescue was coming. So I propose to you today that if hope can change a rat, what can belief do to sinners such as you and I? When we place our faith, our wild belief, like Mary, Elizabeth, and John did in the Savior Jesus. If you have your Bibles, Luke 1, verses 39 through 45. Setting the context, Gabriel's had this visit with Mary, telling her, hey, you're highly favored. Guess what? The Lord loves you. He's with you, and you're going to have his child, and how can this be? I've never been with a man. In fact, you know, I'm engaged, and Oh, well, what's going to happen? And eventually she comes to verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. So at that point, verse 39, Mary gets up, gets ready. I think King James says, and with haste, she goes to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. If you're familiar at all with the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, you know, Zechariah has been silent since he challenged God you know, his wife is barren, they never had a child, they're, you know, I, I don't want to call out any numbers, but it, it, let, let's say, you know, you're north of 80, and they tell you you're going to have a baby, you never had one. Yeah, I bet there's some talk at home. But in any event, we pick up, she's now six months pregnant, okay? There were five months that she didn't even go out. If you're looking in the earlier verses, five months she didn't even, you know, she was like withdrew from, from folks. So she goes, this is Mary now, to the home of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. Hey, Elizabeth. Now some, we know it's a relative. We don't know if she was truly an aunt, a cousin, or what. But she's, she's kin to, to Mary. The baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? What clarity the Holy Spirit has given to Elizabeth that she recognizes that this niece or cousin, whatever relationship is to her, is burying the Savior. Verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is he or she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Wild belief. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the example that Mary, Elizabeth, and John gave for us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for us. Thank you that through your power, he overcame the grave. Thank you for this chance we have to remember, to honor, to recalibrate ourselves at times, to live with that joy, to live out a wild belief that you would come to this earth, allow your son to die for me, and that through faith in him, we will be together again and never shall we experience pain or suffering again because we will be in paradise with you. So Lord, today as we celebrate the Savior of the world, speak to us through these words, these themes of belief and something that 
many of us would be so afraid to step forward. Help us to be like Mary, to be like Elizabeth, and jump like John. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We pick up, as I said, after Gabriel's visit to Mary. And after hearing the wild news, she displays wild belief and seeks after confirmation of the miracle that she has been told that she's going to be the mother of the Savior. She goes to her cousin, as I said, maybe her aunt, um, in her sixth month, and she's looking for comfort, some confirmation, some clarity in, hey, I just had an angel visit me, and I've got to tell you about this. And she gets that in these verses. We read that she left in haste, in a hurry, quick, got out of town. But to where? Luke, who has been, as I, I can remember when I preached on John two weeks ago, I said that Luke is chronically accurate and spe specific. He talks about the very year, who was the king, who was the governor, who was the priest, when John answered his call to the ministry. He may have been specific in time, but he's very unspecific in geography. Because everybody wants to know, well, where did she live? Well, it says hill country. What town was that? How far was it? How far did this young girl have to go to see her cousin, her aunt, to see Elizabeth? Commentators are back and forth on the name of the city. There are some that they recommend or suggest that it is. Others say, I don't know. Most say that you could get somewhere around 20 miles a day in walking. Some even suggest that Joseph took her there because he would have had the financial means to get into a caravan because this area of the mountains that she's going to was known for thieves and robbers and people would, could be in danger to get past that way. Nonetheless, most people think that it, it took her just a few days to get there, but it could be as far as 70 miles away that she goes to see Elizabeth. My takeaway from this part of, of the verse, not knowing exactly, is that the long journey to Bethlehem on a donkey, that 70 or 80 mile ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem began way before they got on that donkey. She took a journey to even confirm what the Lord had told her. She always took that wild leap of faith. And that's our first point this morning. Wild leap. How about you? What's the greatest leap of faith you have ever taken? Only because you're on the front row. Leaving a church in Houston to come here? I mean, that's, that's a pretty big one. Although, I don't know if I want to make that drive every Sunday. But, I mean, coming to us, we're glad that Aaron and your family came. And, and we're being blessed by it. But we all have had wild leaps of faith. Or at least the opportunity to make wild leaps of faith. Right? Mm -hmm. At some point, you joined this church or decided to come here. That was a leap for some of you. If you came from another denomination, if you, I can remember Saul, just about what, two years ago, we baptized a little girl that was Muslim. That's a wild leap to say goodbye to your family because you are now following a faith that that family would be in total disagreement of. For me, it was probably dropping out of Air Force ROTC. I said I would never be in the Air Force. That's a bunch of Mickey Mouse stuff. Told me I couldn't be a pilot. I didn't want to be one anyway, all of a sudden. So I, I changed majors from engineering, electrical engineering, to history. 
and uh, kept working out this idea that the Lord might be calling me to the ministry. And after that big leap, none of them were really that hard again because that was a pretty big leap for me. Nothing like telling your state police daddy that you're going to be a preacher. When he didn't have a lot of value for preachers. So, yeah, that's a story for another day. Yours might not have been a career change. It might have been a location change. In fact, I think Pierce and Dan and I were talking about, and you guys can just shake your heads and say, yeah, that's right. Because I heard it somewhere. Somebody that recently moved to San Antonio because of a church. They came because of a church. Sadly, it was not First Baptist Church of Lotus. Although my mom and sister are probably going to join eventually. And they came and I said, that's a hard way to get members to move your mom and sister to get them to join the church. But hey, if it's how it takes, we'll keep doing that. But what a leap of faith to join, to, to leave your home you're living in and your job, perhaps your livelihood. And I know many people can, you know, they can telework or whatever. But to move to another town because of the activity and the mission and the action going on in a church. They wanted to be a part. Leap out of faith. Now some of you, and this is actually where I wanted to put the video about leaping, but I found another one. And uh, I'm looking, I'm trying to see if he's here because, well actually I can just make it this way. This is about a guy named Luke, and of course it's from the Gospel of Luke, who decides that he would like to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, and those of us who do fly, I know, would you ever jump out of an airplane just for fun? You would? Oh my. Would you do it without a parachute? Luke did, so let's show this video here. Uh, my name is Luke Akins, uh, part of Stride Gum Presents Heaven Sent, and I'm out here uh, getting ready to do something that's never been done before. We're going to jump from 25,000 feet, we're going to do it without a parachute, and we're going to land in this awesomely designed net behind me. Eighteen thousand. They're off. Now he's practicing the flip. That's how he'll have to land. He'll have to land on his back. There goes the oxygen mask. Now at twelve thousand feet, he'll hear a beep in his helmet. That will tell him he's halfway home. There goes the shoots. Luke is on his own. He's in. And he's kicking and moving. hits the floor. History made as he hugs his wife. Don't try that at home, kids. The leap of faith that I'm talking about is not a blind leap into the dark, but leaps of faith always have some risk involved, but they're be based on good and sufficient reasons that the Lord has asked you or called you to do things. 
Here we read that the baby John leaps inside of Elizabeth. Look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. He kicked. He danced. John the Baptist dancing. Wow. He backflipped. And those of you who have bore children, you know that when they kick, everybody wants to get in on that. Everybody wants to see that or touch that and feel that life. And why does he do it? Verse 44 says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. When's the last time you leapt for joy? Did you do it while you were in the long lines at the Walmart or Target or wherever you shop for Christmas gifts? Probably not. Did you leap for joy because you were coming to church this morning? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, yeah. But when you see children coming to church, when you see ki kids lining up here like they did last week for the performance, there, there's a spring in their step, a, a skip and a hop, a jump that is excited because one, they're getting to do something. Two, they're, they're actually serving. Three, maybe mom and dad or grandma or grandpa, somebody's here watching them. And there is a joy that through Ray and Julie and others, they have talked about the good news that they're getting to communicate. And they get excited because of the joy of Jesus. I wonder, are you happy singing being up front, serving for the Savior. And what wild leap will you take today? Mary's statement, or Elizabeth's statement to Mary says, Blessed are you among women, verse 42. In fact, many commentators want to pause on the fact that it's with a loud voice she exclaimed. Some say perhaps she had not spoken. You know, the story of of her husband who not until in fact later chapters you'll know that when John is named is the first time he speaks after he had been muted when he challenged basically the fact that his wife is going to have a baby but she speaks loudly and says blessed among women not above women but among women are you and blessed is the child Elizabeth confirms that Mary's visit has even blessed her and I, I read one uh, view this week that what a statement that was. If you had waited your entire life to have a child, and you're way past the age of childbearing years, and somehow, some way, God empowers and blesses you to have a child, and you even know that it's going to be a boy, because that boy is going to have a part in proclaiming the Savior. How could anything you want to say bless you beyond that? But Elizabeth says, you have blessed me by being here today. This visit blesses her, just as this scripture should be blessing us today and causing us to take those wild leaps. And finally, as we look at this passage, wild accomplishments. Wild accomplishments. She says in verse 45, blessed is he, she, I keep wanting to say he, blessed is he, she, who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Those of you who have recently applied for a job, one of the number one questions they like to ask you is what is your greatest accomplishment? 
Or what was your greatest accomplishment in your last job? Anybody interview for a job recently? I mean, that's like the standard question. So I was asking that to Brenda even this morning. You know, what is your greatest accomplishment you've ever had? And, you know, she's being deeply theological. The greatest is yet to come. <laughs> that's probably more philosophical than theological. Uh, then we said, our kids, you know, and oh, I don't know, you know, whatever. You be academic or 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 professional or, or financial, all these kind of accomplishments. And then, you know, I didn't let her know where I was trying to go with this sermon because sometimes, remember there was a day I would always preach them to you before we came. So the entire sermon, she's like yawning because she's heard it all before. As many of you are yawning right now. But what is your greatest accomplishment? In fact, I, I looked these up. Here are some of the greatest accomplishments that, this is the top thing when you Google, one guy, and I'm not going to give you all their names, planted an entire forest. That's, that's a pretty big accomplishment. And then they talked about three or four different people's names who you would know who created some sort of vaccine, whether it be you know, creating a smallpox vaccine or inventing penicillin or whatever. You know, everybody probably knows this guy, but maybe your greatest accomplishment was walking on the moon. And I know that's a joke. Those of you who have ever... I can't remember what comedian used to always use it, that if you've ever been in a conversation with Neil Armstrong, he always throws down that one. You, I got a new car. I walked on the moon. <laughs> always a Trump, you know, I walked on the moon. How about mapping the human gene, understanding more about our genetics, building the printing press, inventing the internet. I know there's a lot of arguments on who. <laughs> a lot of people claim that. Maybe that wasn't an uh, accomplishment either for some of you to say. Harnessing wind and solar power. If you did any of those jobs, well, I guess probably you don't have to interview for other jobs now. But what would Mary, Elizabeth, and John say that their greatest accomplishments would be? Giving birth to the Savior, giving birth to the forerunner of the Lord, or being the one who is the voice crying in the wilderness saying, Repent. Well, those are all excellent expressions of wild belief. Belief in the Lord. Look at verse 38 with me again, because I read that as we, as we entered in. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And verse 45, where it says, Blessed is she who has believed. Those lead to wild accomplishments. When you will believe in what God has in store for you, that is the greatest accomplishment you will do. Because believing in Him, faith in Him is what brings salvation. Believing in what the Lord has said will cause you to do wild things. It will cause you to love the lost. It will cause you to share hope with the homeless. It will cause you to feed the hungry. And to offer the gospel to a lost world. Being prepared in these wild times that we talked about three weeks ago. Following through on God's wild expectations that John says there's something that you should and can be doing. We must exercise the joy of leaping with the wild belief that Jesus saves. Now, as a postscript to this sermon. It was the reading that Ginger did 
this next set of verses, in fact, most churches will read this or may not read this. This is included in the lectionary for t today, verses 46 through 55, is referred to as Mary's song, uh, the Magnificat. Jack, you probably know, I think and my Latin is terrible. I mean, I, I maybe two or three words. I took French, but it, it is, that is the Latin word, magnify. Magnificant, like in something probably with a verb like I am, like oton or something like that. It eventually gets to like dominon, which is a, 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 my blending of the word God. But I magnify the Lord is what she's saying. And this passage, this Mary song, if you don't know, has been prohibited throughout history at different times. It was considered a radical, revolutionary way of thinking. The British banned it from being read in India. Gandhi wanted it read, so, and I could not read, track that one down. I've always heard that, but I couldn't find it in any historical document. But Gandhi wanted that read when they changed over from British rule to self-governing end of India. Guatemala, their leadership in the 80s refused to have it read in churches or let, allowed to be read in churches because it some, somehow could bring revolt and riot to the poor because you'll see in it some very powerful words. It is a restatement of basically 12 Old Testament texts. It is um, a restatement of Hannah's song in 1 Samuel as she is singing about her son Samuel. And then some commentators would say, well, how could a little poor, poor girl, Jewish girl, know these verses? It says something to us who believe in the inspired word of God. And the fact that Mary did say this to the training and the biblical understanding that was placed in children in her day. Just as some of our children could probably list more scripture than some of the senior people in here. If you've been trained in the word. So... She begins with megaluno, in other words, to make big, to make great. And here we go. Let me read this for you. In fact, I said it to the guys this week in my office. This could be your song. Think about it if you inserted your name and Bill, Cliff, Lou, Pierce, Dan, Mary, Karen, whoever. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, yes, we know her as the mother of the, of the Lord, but all generations that know that we have been honored and loved by Christ to come and die for us, they could call us blessed as well. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary's song, your song, my song. May we magnify the Lord in our lives. 
That's what wild belief does. Stand with me, please, we pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come to a time of invitation, if there's someone here during the singing of this song that has never said, I want to follow Jesus, this will be their opportunity. This will be their invitation to come and respond, to actually get up from their pew and walk down the aisle and come and talk to me. Not that I will save them, but I'll help give them an understanding of who Jesus is if they're still confused on saying, I, I think I do, I want to believe. And Lord, we can pray a prayer together that will ask Christ to come into their life, to forgive them of their sins, and that will put them back up on solid ground in a relationship with you. So right now, during this invitation time, if there's someone here who wants to come to place their faith in him, maybe they just want to come to these steps and pray, we have members of our prayer team that will gladly pray with them. Whatever decision you have in store for your people now, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would move. For we have wild belief of the amazing things that you can do and will do for those who believe in you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.